You're listening to The Wrong Station Pledge Drive. The Wrong Station is only possible with the support of listeners like you. Become a subscriber today by visiting patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You'll receive access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes discussions, our new book club, and so much more. Today, The Wrong Station is proud to present All Hogs by Alexander Saxton. I didn't know the Lillibergs. They were friends of Sarah Kahn, whose dad was some high mucky-muck at one of the big banks. But the Lillibergs owned a cavernous mansion in the Muskokas, which they called a cottage. And childless, every summer they extended an invitation to the kids of their colleagues and peers. They thought that they were magnanimous. I think that they were just lonely. But that year, for the second summer in a row, I found myself in the prow of a speedboat ripping white lines across a sapphire lake surrounded by five or six of my friends in dark shades and white sunscreen, all holding grimly to our tilly hats as Sarah sat at the tiller and opened the motor up to top speed. And in a $90,000 boat, what a top speed. That mansion looming up across the water, a ludicrous barn shape walled with tinted windows, 20,000 square feet of house crammed onto the zoning footprint of an old unplumbed cabin. You could still see that cabin as an oil painting in the front hall, Like all McMansions, the house waxed elegiac about what it had destroyed. Doug and Linda Lilleberg were waiting at the dock with arms spread wide. Hey, welcome, welcome. Linda, a sort of vague outline of white, motherish and fussy and so alienated from the world by generations of money that she sometimes seemed to phase in and out of reality itself. Doug was a different beast. His short-fingered hand was a rock as he helped you up from the boat. How's it going, Derek? Good to see you. Uh, Daniel. Ah, oh, of course. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, no, no, uh, ill. Daniel. No, yeah, sound. Right, right, uh, gotcha. Okay if I call you Danny? Sure, no problem. We'd had this exact conversation one year before. But whereas Linda forgot our names because we were shadows drifting through the mist world of her existence, Doug forgot them for the refreshing reason that he didn't especially care. I think most people were interchangeable to him at this point in his life. Unlike Linda, he was new money. A TV weatherman back in the 80s, before he got involved in... business. Whatever that meant. Well, the Lillibergs were good, if absent hosts. In the mornings, Linda would hover around the kitchen before dispersing to some upper floor and reforming around a gin and tonic around five. Doug was more present, but always in the background. Frying bacon, cleaning the boat reading a lead child paperback. Sometimes he'd go into town and not come back till late at night. This was the case that night that we had our conversation. Must have been around 1 a.m. My friends were asleep because after the big piss-up of our first night there, we usually started going to bed at a reasonable time so we could get to the lake before it filled up with boats. I had trouble sleeping, though. Always have. So when Doug got home late, I was still up sitting in a yellow living room overlooking the lake. A rapping at the door. He leaned halfway into the room. Hey, Danny, offer you a scotch? The Lillibergs kept a very good liquor cabinet. I couldn't refuse. Moments later, we were standing together at the wide black window gazing across the wide black lake. Small red-gold lights burning at the distant shore, realizing we had nothing much to talk about. 
Good scotch, I suggested. It was. Mmm. Balvenny. He swirled the cup. Don't know much about scotch. Just what I like. Hmm. I cast about for something else to talk about. My eyes fell on the fishing rods hung like ancestral arms above the windows. You fish? In the reflection of the window, his eyes flicked over the black lake to meet mine, and the black irises were suddenly bright and sharp. Been known to? Good fishing up here? He jerked his chin out to the lake. There? No. But, uh... He beckoned me close. Whispered as if someone might be eavesdropping. I got a secret lake. Out back. Started with fish myself. From the bright sharpness of his eyes, I might have led you to believe it was some sort of joy in his gaze. <laughs> no, sir. Just a terrible intensity I didn't really understand. Big fish? I smiled, thinking maybe he was doing a bit. He did not match my smile. If anything, his gaze hollowed out and his face fell. Hogs, he told me. All hogs. He said it with pride, but also almost a sort of fear, as if the fish he had back there were almost too big, an offense against God he regretted but would not repent. I asked, how big are we talking? He shook his head. Ten, twelve pounds when I loaded them. Now, what, fifteen? Sixteen? Those would have been very big fish, especially on a small lake. But he shook his head. I said they were hogs. I fed him myself. I fed him by hand. He was avoiding the question. Out of shame? Or because you don't reveal sacred mysteries? I tried another tack. How many people you feed with one of those? He shook his head vehemently. Oh, we don't eat them. Catch and release. I've got them chipped. Every one. Catch someone back there with a fishing rod? Blam. Game over. <laughs> he chuckled, but I couldn't tell if he was joking. Anyway, should head off. But Linda's lying awake wondering where I am. <laughs> you have a good night now, Danny. Yeah, you too, Mr. Littleberg. Next morning, out on the lake. Next afternoon, drinking hard seltzer, half asleep on the dock. Next night, late, sitting by the black window over the lake, reading a book. But my eyes kept drifting out across the water. Too tired to read, too restless to go to sleep. Something about that house made it worse. Some stifling air that blew through the central vents. I went outside to catch the breeze. It was one of those humid nights where the midges fall like light rain, and their bodies pile up in drifts around the boles of trees. But I needed to walk, and my feet carried me down a gravel path between taramacs, and eventually down to a rusted gate. The lock wasn't fully closed, and I went through, followed the gravel path down by moonlight, and after some minutes found myself by the waters of a long cleft in the shield rock. A tarn. There was a dock with a Muskoka chair and a little outboard boat, swaying in the breeze. A fishing shed sat quiet underneath the trees nearby. Doug's fish pond, I decided. Despite the midges, I wandered down to the end of the dock and sat watching moonlight on the water's surface. Then I saw the first fish, flashing silver out of the black, 
the hump of its body like a Labrador, then gone just as quickly. Og. Jesus. Even from that brief glance, I could tell the creature must have weighed 40, 50 pounds. All heavy fat and heavy scale mesh. The whirlpool of its wake was almost two feet wide. I mean, my god, were they all that big? What was he feeding them? I suddenly realized there were no ducks on this lake. No geese or herons or otters by the water's edge. No marks of beaver teeth on the trees. Only hogs. I wondered, what would happen if you tried to swim in there? Suddenly, I had to see one of these fish in full. I scrambled down to the fishing shed, and it was locked, but with a key hidden inside an empty light fixture by the door. Within, nets, game fishing rods, a spiked five-foot staff for jigging devil squid. I took a rod, a hook, a lure, then crept back down the dock, lightly so as not to scare away the great fish. I was making ready to cast off when a polite cough came from behind me. Doug. I turned to find him standing at the base of the dock, with his eyes blazing dark, and a heavy pistol in his hands. Past 3 a.m. by then, I hadn't expected him to be awake. Mr. Lilleberg, I... But his eyes didn't recognize me, and as he strode down the dock, he raised the gun and thumbed the safety and stepped forward until its cold muzzle was resting in between my eyes. He was breathing heavily. Thought you might try something like this. His eyes were darting here and there. Saw that look in your eyes last night. Not the first time I've seen it. I had no clue what he meant. I, I wasn't trying to steal them, I stammered. Just wanted to see how big they really were. Hogs. Didn't I tell you already? They are hogs. Every one of them chipped. You never would have got away with it, Danny. I wasn't trying to... But he shoved the barrel into my forehead, forcing me back, precarious against the ends of the dock. Something heavy splashed nearby. Everybody wants my hogs. His eyes were wild. That's why I keep my eye out. How I made it this far, you understand? That's what makes a man a man. Look, Doug, please, don't Doug me. Everybody gets one warning. I gave you yours last night. Doug? Now, a third voice spoke. We both glanced back toward the shore. Linda, Lilleberg, in her vague and shapeless white. She seemed more awake, more present in this dire hour than I'd ever seen her before. Not this time, honey. At this, his hand trembled slightly. The barrel rattled against my skull. You know what they're like, Linda. You know what they're all like when it comes down to it. Doug? Not this time, was all she calmly said. He turned back to stare me in the eyes, so intent that I could only guess what significance this moment held for him, why he'd come to invest so much in hogs. His finger quivered on the trigger. Then he lowered the gun and turned and walked away. Linda gently led him back up toward the farmhouse castle where they lived, leaving me alone beneath the moonlight and the falling flies. The surface of the lake was lively now, with heavy fish, one solid ripple of muscle and scale from here to far shore, blank eyes and gasping mouths, 
scissoring fins, each fish the size and weight of a... <laughs> How many calories went into this private little lake each day? And for what? I stepped back from the water's edge. Soon the fish sank below, understanding that they weren't going to be fed that night. Next day, up early to catch a lift from Sarah back to town, and I was as tired as I've ever been. Doug was cooking up bacon already, and Linda too, already translucent again, and smiling as if she didn't remember anything from the night before. Doug, at least, gave me the sheepish trace of a smile, an embarrassed peace offering in the form of a plate of bacon, which I didn't accept. And though I wished they didn't, the couple came down to the lake out front to see me off. While we were waiting for Sarah, Doug broke the awkward silence. Look, uh... Look, I'm sorry about last night, Doug blurted. When you're like me, when you come from where I'm from, you make it. You know, you learn to protect what it is you've got. I said nothing to that. Why don't you come up next year, Danny, eh? Not as Sarah's friend, but as ours, eh? What do you say to that? I didn't say anything to it, then. Just looked up in relief as Sarah came jogging down with her Louis Vuitton purse held high. Rode back to town in silence, keeping my hands inside the boat. Happy to leave that place behind. But... Well, what can I say? The lake, the liquor cabinet, the moonlight on the fishing pool at night. I did go back the next summer, and all the many summers since. Doug still can't get my name right, but he's given me good financial advice down the years, and now I have a place up north to call my own as well. It's not too far, and it's got a little pool out back. I think I might stock it with a couple fish. Ducks finally told me what he feeds him.